0: Welcome back to Plane Crash Diaries with me, your host and pilot, Desmond Latham. This week, it's the terrible crashes involving Boeing 737 MAX eight one in October 2018, the other in March 2019, that left 346 people dead. And the main culprit in both crashes appears to be an automated trim called the Movement Characteristics Augmentation System, or MCAS. The other red flag in this story is the shocking failure by one of the world's iconic manufacturers, compounded by a cozy relationship between the Federal Aviation Authority and this aviation entity. However, there were also issues on both flight decks, although at this stage pointing a finger at the aircrew would be wrong and presumptuous. So in October 2019, investigators released their document into the probe of the October 2018 crash of the Lion Air Boeing 737 MAX that killed 189 people. Investigators say the plane's design contributed to this accident, along with actions of the airline and its pilots. Investigators in Indonesia pointed to the plane's MCAS system, which pushed the Lion airplane into a nosedive into the sea. The design and certification of the MCAS did not adequately consider the likelihood of loss of control of the aircraft, the report said. A fail safe design concept and redundant system should have been necessary for the MCAS. Since the accidents, Boeing has announced a slew of changes to its quality control process. In September, a new safety committee was created led by Boeing veteran Beth Pastel. Boeing also fired the head of commercial airplanes division, Kevin McAllister, who had been brought in as an outsider to speed up the process of building the MAX range. Boeing has also split the role of CEO and chairman of the board, which is a bit like closing the barn door after the horse is bolted, but at least it's beginning to take action internally. Boeing, you see, built a name around allowing pilots to fly their planes, whereas competitor Airbus designed their planes around full fly-by-wire automation. But back in the mid-2000s, something radical happened at the American plane manufacturer. Deep inside the engineering process, someone decided It would be a good idea to let the plane have the last say when it came to control and embedded the Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System, or MCAS, into the software. The two accidents I'm covering are still very fresh in the minds, and we must proceed with extra caution. However, anyone who follows aviation closely will find the actions of some involved was tantamount to criminal negligence. So starting this tale with the Lion Air of Indonesia crash, October 2018. Let's begin by pointing out that Indonesia has an abysmal aviation safety record, probably one of the worst records in history. All of Indonesia's airlines were blacklisted by European Union air safety regulators and banned from entering EU airspace in 2007 because of concern over the lack of regulatory oversight in Indonesia. Lion Air itself was only allowed back into the EU zone after a safety audit in 2016. This unfortunately gave Boeing and its executives, as well as the FAA, a false red light in the flight of JT610. It determined that Indonesia's ramshackle attention to aviation rules could be part of the reason why one of its new planes crashed into the ocean. And they have a point. A database compiled by aviation analytics firm Flight Global shows that before the JT-610 disaster, Lion Air suffered 11 major accidents, that was since 2002, the total loss of five aircraft, five accidents that resulted in major damage, and one minor loss. That is way above average. It puts Indonesia technically in its own league. These accidents were caused by a host of reasons, but included poor maintenance, Poor flying, with pilots making basic errors in flap selection, for example, as well as complete failure of situational awareness at times. So it would be easy to write off the first MAX 8 crash as another example of the virtual criminal negligence of Indonesian aviation culture. But the Boeing MAX 8 crash was different. Lion Air Flight 610 was a scheduled domestic flight from Sukarno-Hatta International Airport in Jakarta to Tupati Amir Airport in Penang, only 440 kilometres away. The Boeing 737 MAX took off on the 29th of October 2018, carrying 189 passengers and crew. The flight's cockpit crew were 31-year-old Captain Bavier Suneja, who had flown with the airline for more than seven years and had over 6,000 hours of flight experience, including 5,176 hours in the Boeing 737, and his Indonesian co-pilot Harvino, who had 5,174 hours of flight experience, 4,286 of them on the Boeing 737. However, the pilot's conversion on the MAX 8 was done on a simulator and an iPad app, not on board a real plane. Boeing does this on purpose, along with Airbus, to reduce costs for airlines. But that fact alone may have doomed both planes. Let's see. The captain was at the controls of Lion Air flight JT610 when the jet took off from Jakarta, and the first officer was handling the radio. While the cockpit voice recording has not been released, Sources quoted by Indonesian and other media confirm that the following took place and it's been corroborated. Two minutes into the flight, the first officer reported a flight control problem to air traffic control and said the pilots intended to maintain an altitude of 5,000 feet. The first officer did not specify the problem, but according to at least one source, airspeed was mentioned on the cockpit voice recording. And a second source said an indicator showed a problem on the captain's display, but not the first officer's. The captain then asked the first officer to check the quick reference handbook, which contains checklists for abnormal events. For the next nine minutes, the Boeing continued to sound alarms about stalling, and the MCAS pushed the nose downwards. The captain fought the controls, trying to climb, but the computer, still incorrectly sensing a stall, continued to push the nose down using the plane's trim system. Normally, trim adjusts an aircraft's control surfaces to ensure it flies straight and level. It appears to all that the crew did not know MCAS was causing the problem. According to sources quoted by Indonesian media, the crew thought only about airspeed and altitude because that was the only thing they talked about. Near the end, the captain asked the first officer to fly while he checked the manual for a solution. About one minute Before the plane disappeared from radar, the captain asked air traffic control to clear other traffic below 3,000 feet and requested an altitude of 5,000 feet, which was approved. As the 31-year-old captain tried in vain to find the right procedure in the handbook, the 41-year-old first officer was unable to control the plane. The Indian-born captain was silent at the end, while the Indonesian first officer said, Allahu Akbar, God is greatest. The plane then hit the ocean at top speed, killing all 189 instantly. The accident site was located 34 kilometres or 18 nautical miles off the coast of the island of Java. Investigators examining the Indonesian crash are considering how a computer ordered the plane to dive in response to data from a faulty sensor and whether the pilots had enough training to respond appropriately to the emergency, amongst other factors. Very quickly, on November 2018, the Indonesian National Transportation Safety Committee, or NTSC, released its preliminary accident report. It said a glitch had been picked up by pilots flying the same plane a day earlier. After airspeed and altitude problems, an angle of attack sensor was replaced and tested just before this accident. It confirmed reports the day before where pilots had experienced exactly the same conditions with MCAS pushing the nose down. The air crew on that flight had switched off the electrical engine, which drove the trimming, and continued with manual trim. That had saved everyone on board. Instead of this being part of what is known as a possible critical system malfunction, it wasn't even called an emergency. It was not logged as an incident, which means aviation authorities needn't investigate. These pilots and their passengers went home alive, because they thought it wasn't a serious incident. The runaway stabilizer non-normal checklist was run, the electric stabilizer trim was turned off, and the flight continued with manual trim. The issues were reported after landing. Boeing issued a statement shortly afterwards pointing to the successful troubleshooting conducted on that day as evidence that the MCAS did not change runaway stabilizer procedures and emphasised the long-standing existence of these procedures to cancel MCAS nose-down commands. What Boeing has failed to mention was that it had also removed a crucial angle of attack sensor failure alarm, which had existed in a previous version of the Boeing 737. They have not explained why this was done, but it's believed to reduce costs for operators. Airlines could buy an upgrade that involved a sensor failure alarm. We know from Boeing CEO Dennis Muhlenberg's appearance before a House committee in the USA that the company had not assessed the dangers properly nor told any airline or pilot that the MCAS system was potentially catastrophic. To suggest that a critical safety feature was not mandatory, but part of some costly upgrade, is, to put it mildly, incriminating. Shortly after takeoff on the 29th of October, issues involving altitude and airspeed continued due to erroneous angle of attack data, and commanded the automatic nose-down trim via the MCAS. By the way, test pilots at Boeing had picked this up during the test phase of the MAX 8, but the company failed to act on their report. This is going to cause Boeing major problems in upcoming court cases. It's also going to haunt the company in future litigation, as these pilots did not know what MCAS did. Investigators who analysed the flight data recorder after the October 29 crash uncovered a fault between two angle-of-attack sensors located on the nose of the plane. This was the first major accident involving the new Boeing 737 MAX series aircraft, introduced only in 2017, and the deadliest involving a 737, surpassing Air India Express Flight 812 in 2010. It is also the deadliest accident in line Air's 18-year history, even for an airline dogged by incidents and accidents. The first victim was identified two days after the crash, the flight data recorder was located on the 1st of November 2018 and sent for analysis. The cockpit voice recorder was eventually found in mid-January 2019. Investigations revealed serious flight control problems that traumatized passengers and crew and that was on the previous flight the day before this accident as well as signs that the angle of attack sensor and other instrument failures on that and previous flights Tied to a potential design flaw involving the manoeuvring characteristics augmentation system of the 737 MAX series. So what did Boeing do at the time? Well, as a result of this crash, the United States Federal Aviation Administration and Boeing issued warnings and training advisories to all operators of the 737 MAX series to avoid letting the MCAS cause an abrupt dive similar to the Lion Air flight. But neither the FAA nor Boeing thought it apt that the MAX 8 be grounded. I was following this closely as an aviation buff and a pilot at the time and was shocked that the planes continued flying. And that was before the second accident. I was not alone. It's jaw-dropping. At the time, I reported on my blog that this crash was pretty clear from initial reports by all involved that the MCAS system had caused a disturbingly dangerous situation. You don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to figure that out. Shortly after the Lion Air crash in November 2018, the Wall Street Journal reported that Boeing and the FAA were planning to publish warnings about erroneous angle of attack indications on cockpit instrument displays of the 737 MAX. The FAA then issued an Emergency Airworthiness Directive, or AD, requiring that amended operating limitations and procedures relating to erroneous data from an angle of attack sensor be inserted into the aircraft flight manual of each 737 MAX aircraft and urged all airlines operating MAX 737-8s to heed the warnings. But they still do not advise an urgent training intervention. Pilots I follow at that stage on various social media platforms were already calling for the plane to be grounded. During difference training, pilots of American Airlines and Southwest Airlines converting from earlier Boeing 737 next generation models, or NGs, to the 737 MAX 8, were not informed of the MCAS linked to the special crash, leaving them concerned that they were possibly untrained with respect to other differences. They complained formally, no one listened. In November 2018, Aviation Week reviewed the 737 MAX flight crew operations manual and found it did not even mention the MCAS. That is a shocker. American Airlines Allied Pilots Association and Southwest Airlines Pilots Association were also caught unaware. The Wall Street Journal reported that Boeing had decided against disclosing more details to cockpit crews due to concerns about inundating average pilots with too much information. Well, that's just insulting. All we do as pilots is deal with information. You tell us what is likely to go wrong and then we practice to make sure it doesn't happen. What you don't do is keep it a kind of secret because we're kind of average. By nature, pilots are not average. On the 15th of November, the US Airline Pilots Association, representing 61,000 pilots, urged the FAA and NTSB to ensure pilots received all relevant information addressing a potential significant aviation system safety deficiency. A lot of words, not much action. This, by the way, was still before the Ethiopian crash. In a bizarre twist, the United Airlines branch of the Airline Pilots Association then muddied the water's... I was saying the MAX 8 should keep flying, despite reservations from more conservative pilots I was following at the time. The United Airlines branch said the MCAS implication was mere speculation. They did this, of course, because the company was financially more dependent on keeping its MAX 8 planes flying, and to ground them would, yes, have an impact on their earnings. I wonder what these people now think, this union. They put their own members in mortal danger by ignoring logical and clear signs of technical failure merely because of business interests. In an internal message on the 19th of November 2018, Boeing CEO Dennis Muhlenberg defended the flight crew operations manual and how it described emergency actions regarding the MCAS failure. But Boeing was beginning to take heat. Lion Air co-founder and former CEO Rusty Karana reportedly considered cancelling Lion Air's outstanding 190 Boeing aircraft orders worth some $22 billion. On the 31st of December 2018, the family of the first officer filed a lawsuit against Boeing claiming negligence. Boeing's horror year was about to get worse. As the March 10, 2019 crash of the Ethiopian Airlines MAX 8 registration, Echo, Tango, Alpha, Victor, Juliet, was blamed on the same MCAS-linked errors. The other really horrible reality for the family of those on board the Ethiopian crash was that these advisories that the FAA had launched were not implemented by the airline. Flight ET-302 was a scheduled international passenger flight from Addis Ababa to Nairobi. The aircraft took off at 800 hours 38 local time, with 149 passengers and 8 crew on board. Many of the passengers were United Nations staff. The captain of the plane was 29-year-old Yared Getachu, who had been flying with the airline for almost 9 years, and logged 8,122 flight hours, including 1,400 hours on the Boeing 737. He had been a Boeing 737-800 captain since November 2017 and Boeing 737 MAX 8 captain since July 2018. At the time of the accident, he was the youngest captain at the airline, but he wasn't the youngest crew member. That was First Officer Ahmed Nur Mohammed Nur, who was just 25. Nur was a recent graduate from the Airlines Academy with 361 flight hours logged, including 207 hours on the Boeing 737. That, I'm afraid to say, is hopelessly under-experienced, although legal. The fact that the first officer did not have the usual 1,500 hours minimum, which most airlines demand, may have contributed to the factors leading to this accident. For a major airline in the USA, the minimum requirements are typically 1,500 hours total time, 1,000 hours pilot in command of a turbine aircraft, 1,000 hours multi-engine time, and an ATP rating. The average new hires have 4,000 to 5,000 hours total time. That's the average new pilots in these airlines. Here we have a pilot flying with 361 hours total. Ethiopian Airlines, like many other developing nations, is trying to fast-track its own nationals into the cockpit. The lack of experience is only a problem when there's a crisis, and ET-302 had an emergency. One minute into the flight, the first officer reported a flight control problem to the control tower. Two minutes into the flight, the plane's MCAS system activated, pitching the plane into a dive towards the ground, exactly the same problem as the Lion Air plane. The pilots struggled to control the aircraft and managed to prevent the nose from diving further, but the plane then lost altitude. The MCAS activated again, dropping the nose further. The pilots then flipped a pair of switches to disable the electrical trim tab system, which had been done all those months before by the crew that survived the day before the Lion Air crash. This disabled MCAS software. However, in shutting off the electrical trim system, they also shut off their ability to trim the stabilizer into a neutral position with the electrical switch at the top of their control wheels. The only other possible way to move the stabilizer is by cranking the wheel by hand. But because the stabilizer is located opposite to the elevator, there are extremely strong aerodynamic forces that make this impossible at high speed. You physically cannot do it. They needed to slow down like the crew that had survived in Indonesia the previous year. As the pilots had inadvertently left the engines at full takeoff power, which caused the plane to accelerate to over 500 miles an hour, there was further pressure on the stabilizer. The only way it would be able to move by hand would be to throttle back significantly, which they never did. Three minutes into the flight, with the aircraft continuing to lose altitude and accelerating beyond its safety limits, the captain instructed the first officer to request permission from air traffic control to return to the airport. Permission was granted and the air traffic controllers diverted other approaching flights. Following instructions from air traffic control, they turned the aircraft to the east and it rolled to the right. The right wing dipped as the turn steepened, they were beginning what is known as a spiral dive. At 800 hours 43, having struggled to keep the plane's nose from diving further by manually pulling the control wheel, the captain asked the first officer to help him and turn the electrical trim tab system back on in the hope it would allow him to put the stabilizer back into neutral. However, in turning the trim system back on, he activated the MCAS once more, which then pushed the nose down very suddenly. The captain and first officer attempted to raise the nose by manually pulling their control wheels, but the aircraft continued to plunge towards the ground. The aircraft disappeared from radar screens and crashed at 800 hours 44, six minutes after takeoff. The Boeing hit the ground at nearly 700 miles an hour. There were no survivors. It crashed in a farm field near the town of Bishoftu, 62 kilometers southeast of Addis Ababa. The impact created a crater about 90 feet wide and 120 feet long, and wreckage was driven up to 30 feet deep into the ground. The wreckage was strewn around the field, along with personal effects and bits from the plane. Members of Interpol and Blake Emergency Services, a British disaster response firm contracted by the Ethiopian government, then arrived to gather human tissue for DNA testing, and the Israeli police forensics team also arrived to assist in identifying remains. The black boxes were both recovered on the 11th of March 2019. These were sent to Paris for inspection by the BEA, the French Aviation Accident Investigation Agency. Twenty-two people on board were affiliated with the United Nations, including seven from the World Food Programme alone. Notable victims on board included the Italian archaeologist and counselor for Cultural Heritage of Sicily Sebastiano Tusa and Nigerian-Canadian academic Pius Adesanmi. Slovak politician Anton Hornko lost his wife and two children in the crash. All of these families are seeking answers to serious questions, and Boeing is in the firing line. The MCAS system was implicated in this second crash in March 2019, following which all 737 MAX aircraft were grounded worldwide. Well, I say worldwide. China, EU, Canada, South Africa. But not the United States. More jaw-dropping. If the FAA had been part of a banana republic, you perhaps would have understood, but it works in the world's most developed aviation sector. This is a really shocking indictment for both the FAA and Boeing. The initial reports clearly showed a real technical problem with MCAS and I followed commercial pilots at the time who were flying the MAX 8 and were very angry with both Boeing and the airlines for hesitating. The initial report showed that the angle of attack sensors in both cases had been indicating different speeds which confused MCAS and the software had been designed to override anything the pilot did. What compounded these accidents was the sets of aircrew had not been trained in MCAS failures of this sort. But the real problem began with Boeing and its rushed redesign of the 737, which the company fast-tracked to compete with Airbus. Because the redesigned 737 had bigger CFM International LEAP engines, it meant these engines needed to be placed higher and further forward in relation to the wing than the previous 737 models. What this does is destabilizes the aircraft pitch at higher angles of attack. So to deal with it, the engineers designed the, yes, maneuvering characteristics augmentation system, MCAS, for the 737 MAX series. Scientific American and the Wall Street Journal reported that former Boeing engineers expressed the opinion that a nose-down command triggered by a sensor single point of failure is known as a design flaw if the crew is not prepared, and the FAA was evaluating a fix of the possible flaw and investigating whether the pilot's transition training was adequate. Engineers flagged this as a catastrophic failure, but Boeing appears to have ensured that the final entry was critical, not catastrophic. The first has red flags, the second orange. This is the crux of the legal face that Boeing will face in the future. A malfunction in the angle of attack sensors could lead the MCAS system to believe that the aircraft was stalling when it wasn't, causing it to automatically dip the aircraft's nose to recover from a non-existent stall, even in level flight. At high altitudes, that was bad enough. Close to the ground, catastrophic. The terrible fact is that no other plane, since the disastrous Gloucester meteor crashes of 1966, had the same commercial plane been implicated in two fatal accidents within five months of each other. Boeing and the FAA are part of an unfortunate new record. Muhlenberg and his executives should be ashamed of themselves. Eventually, the FAA and Boeing acted to ground the planes. A congressional process is underway, and one of the interviewees is an engineer who filed a scathing internal ethics complaint after alleging the company management blocked key safety improvements during the aircraft's development due to cost concerns. The U.S. House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee members want to interview this engineer, Curtis Ubanks. He's written a 5,000-word report for them. It also appears Boeing kept the engineers' report secret from the transportation panel, and this, along with other obvious missteps by the manufacturer, are going to come back to haunt Mr. Muhlenberg and his fellow executives, along with their shareholders. I've reported and followed the story very closely since October 2018, and I'm absolutely horrified by Boeing's actions. As a pilot, Boeing is close to my heart. It's always been an aircraft that elevated pilot skill above automation. But MCAS is going to be seen as a kind of software-driven robot gone mad, combined with a company that preferred quick profits to proper risk analysis. These damages will end up running into tens of billions of dollars. Boeing's good name is forever sullied by these two accidents. And the company's muddled response, let alone the FAA's useless hand-wringing, has damaged both in the sector. And by the way, in late September 2019, another problem was discovered in Boeing 737 NGs, which predate the MAX 8. What's known as the pickle forks, which hold part of the wing and main spar to the fuselage, have been found to have cracks. Thank goodness none have failed, but close to 1,700 planes have to be inspected. I'll be following this story as it unfolds in the future. But for now, aviate, navigate, and communicate safely. Goodbye.